Hello, all you beautiful people. I am Ruth, and I am optimistically depressed. And today, I am so thrilled to let you know that I'm here with Chelsea Rose. Hanging out how's everyone doing? (laughs) (laughs) Just chilling in a closet. (laughs) Just chilling in a closet. And I also want to, I do want to say again, I am also brought to you by uh, Simple Rituals Skin Care by my great friend, Angela. I'm so thrilled that she's becoming a part of this and I, I, you know, she listens to the podcasts Mm -hmm. and she'll, she'll message me and she'll just be like, oh yeah, this one's like really great. And oh my goodness, when they said this, it was just so great. And she's like one of my biggest biggest supporters and biggest supporters, definitely. And I'm one of her biggest fans too. (laughs) Good. I actually saw when you posted about it on your Instagram and I was like, oh, I'm going to have to check this out. And I gave her a follow. So sweet. (laughs) It worked. Angela, did you hear that? I love like local skincare stuff and there's like this eye roller stuff that I use religiously and it's naturally made here in Canada so like I like anytime I can find like a local natural source product I love it love it love it love it love it that's awesome I know like I'm the same yeah yeah I'm really getting into finding local stuff and natural stuff and yeah it's just so so much better for you yeah and Angela's, yeah, um, she, during one of our conversations, she told me about how she came up with this line because mm-hmm. she wanted to create, uh, like, so she worked at a spa. Yeah. And she wanted to make something that didn't have chemicals in it that she could put on her skin. Yeah, yeah. So then. There you go. Then she started on her journey. Nice, yeah. I, like, have friends who always have, like, tips and tricks that are, like, oh, well, use, like, coconut oil to take your makeup off at night or mm, use, like, oh. peppermint oil, like, put a little bit on your, like, um, chapstick for your lips and it makes your lips, like, a little bit more plump. It'll, like, tingle your lips a little bit and help them, like, plump up and stuff. So, like, you can definitely make products with just natural things. You don't have to use a ton of chemicals. There you go. I know. <laughs> oh, my goodness, that's awesome. Yeah. I didn't know that about the peppermint. That totally makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, and, like, using tea tree oil to, like, tone your face. Just, like, you should always, like, mix it in with maybe, like, a little bit of moisturizer because it's drying. And you shouldn't just use straight pepper, like, a tea tree extract. But for, like, spot treatment and stuff, if you're having, like, trouble with, like, acne, I'll always use tea tree oil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you have, like, you have great skin. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, yeah I... I gotten into using a lot of really natural products and um like I try a bunch of different stuff and creams and and whatnot and they always say um it's better to sort of start it now um while you're younger versus when you're older as a corrective measure Mm. it's better as a preventative measure so Mm. I like like to use lots of different like skin stuff and I'm just obsessed with like makeup and beauty products (laughs) I love all of them I know yeah I I am too. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and Angela, maybe you could come up with a lip balm that has peppermint in it. <laughs> I would really like that. <laughs> she has a lip balm that I use all the time. Oh, nice. Yeah, and yeah. it's just like really soothing and just like helps keep my lips moisture in the, in, especially in the winter when it's so dry. Oh my goodness, it's brutal. And I use it on the kids too, oh, like nice. all the time because they get like, they get, you know, they lick Chapped their lips, lips all the time, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they, they know where it is and they always just wipe it on. Nice. That's yeah. perfect. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, I just had to, I, I want to say that. <laughs> <laughs> just a little plug for Angela. Just a little plug for Angela. Yeah. She's doing some great stuff. Awesome. 
Um, so how are you doing? How was your week? Good. My week's been good. Busy. Always, always busy. Yeah. Yeah. You're always of, busy. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of work going on. I work uh, a job as a server and I work a job as a nightclub server slash bartender. Then I go to school two days a week and then um, I just accepted a job offer as a paramedic. So. Oh my gosh! Yay. Congratulations! Thank you. That's awesome. Thanks. Yeah, I'm really excited. Starts uh, end of February. Okay. Yeah. That's so cool. I can totally see you doing that. <laughs> yeah, I'm so excited. Yeah, I went to school for it, and then I had to get my license for it, and then I had to go through the hiring process for it. So it's been a really, really long, long process since um, I decided that that's what I wanted to do. I'd probably say it's been almost three years now, like from me being like light bulb, like, oh, I want to be a paramedic, to actually like now I've got a job. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So it's been a long time coming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, and so, I, so the sight of blood and all those emergencies and all that does not. No, no, bug you. doesn't bug me. <laughs> yeah, I know. My parents were worried when I was like, "Hey, I'm gonna leave business school and go become a paramedic," um, and my mom and my brother were like, "Oh, like we know you. You're you're such an emotional person. You take things to heart really easily. Like you're really empathetic. Um, are you sure you're gonna be able to do this? Like this is gonna be hard. You're gonna be rolling up on scenes, and you know people are gonna be really injured." And I was like, "Well, we'll." We'll see. <laughs> I was like, I don't know yet. <laughs> so, Good point. I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just kind of diving in with no plan at the moment. <laughs> so I left business school. I went to paramedic school, and it's six months in classroom, just learning about you know airway management and anatomy and the physiology of the body and and what to do, how to use different stuff, how to give IVs, that sort of thing, uh, medication and indications, contraindications, that sort of thing. And then um, so you get the six months of classroom done and then it's like okay now it's time to actually go out on the trucks and you're on the you're in the hospital for one month and you're on the trucks for three months wow yeah so and and there was people who like went through the like classroom stuff and then when it came to the trucks they were like no this isn't for me wow yeah yeah because it is it is different talking about it versus seeing it like I remember my first trauma call and I like (laughs) I turned the corner and there's like a man lying in like two liters of his own blood and I just like was like a deer in headlights I was like oh my god what do I do because I was expecting we had been called to like a fall um and like I'm like oh okay this is another you know 65 85 75 year old person who slipped out of their walker or whatever because we had already gotten a couple of those calls and I'd say I was in my first week or two of being on the truck so I probably had about three or four shifts already 12 hour shifts and I hadn't seen anything like this yet. And then, you know, I just like round the corner and (laughs) there it is. It's like a sight out of a movie. And I was just like, oh, my God, what do I do? (laughs) Oh, yeah. So, yeah, the first time is shocking. The first time you see something you're not expecting. And that's kind of the job. You just you can't ever sort of expect it to go one way. It could be something totally different. And that's how it was. Every time I was expecting one thing, it would be something else. (laughs) Because, like, I remember the reverse one time, like, we got in a call for a kid who, they said something about a power hose and his eye, and I was expecting the worst. I was expecting something awful, and it was just a garden hose on the power <laughs> setting, and it just oh. had, like, flipped his eyelid, like, under his lashes, and so, all, like, we just had to, like, kind of, like, move around his lashes, and then they, like, his lashes, like, popped out from underneath his eyelid, and then he was fine. So I was, like, I was thinking that I, <laughs> I was, I was, like, oh, my God, this poor boy is going to be in so much distress, and God knows, like, hopefully, like, something, he didn't damage his eye, and, like, no, he's fine. 
<laughs> so every time you expect it one way, it's like the opposite way every time. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay, yeah. The 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 eye eye stuff would totally. I think that would get yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Well. There's. I think the one thing like blood doesn't bother me. Like, um, like talking to people, like emotional problems, like even bowel movements don't bug me. The sound of somebody vomiting. That's I don't like. <laughs> so, <laughs> my preceptor taught me this um, trick that when someone's like vomiting and and you feel that like gag reflex kind of come on. Yeah. If you like bear down really hard and grit your teeth, then you can't gag, but you look like a psychopath cuz you look like you're just like smiling. So every time <laughs> someone would be gagging, I'd just be like <laughs> <laughs> We would just stare at each other across the track and be like we look like <laughs> we look like crazy people and the person is just throwing up. <laughs> And you're just like, I'm just trying, I'm just trying really hard not to throw up as well. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the puke thing. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. like, it's one of the, it's one of the hardest things like with kids. Oh yeah. 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 My cats do it all the time. And I'm like, really? <laughs> make me clean this up, guys. You're disgusting. You don't even know better. I can't even, like, you don't understand. Yeah. I can't tell you, like, don't throw up again. Yeah. Or, like, do it in the toilet. Yeah, I know, exactly. <laughs> Run to the bathroom next time you think you're going to throw up. Yeah. I would love to just round the corner and see my cat, like, paws up on the <laughs> toilet, just vomiting. <laughs> That'd be so funny. Oh, my goodness. When our cat, our cat throws up sometimes, too. Mm-hmm. And, when, and when he does, it sounds like one of those old um, pumps, like water pumps. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's just, a, it's so gross. I know. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that was my week. That was your week. All right. Cool. Yeah. Busy yeah. week. Went from the week to talking about vomit. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes your week makes you want to vomit. Mine was good. No vomiting in my week. Well, the cats so vomited, the but cats that vomited, was it. No. All right. Well, that's good. That's a step in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. Thankfully, I don't think I've dealt with vomit this week. I that's can't good. remember now. Like yeah. you know, when it just happens so often, sometimes you're just like, I don't know. You're like, probably. Yeah. Statistically, it's, it's, someone vomited this week. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> There's five of you in the household so, yeah, so it was probably someone did yeah oh, yeah so uh we we got together when was it like a week or two ago a week and a half ish or something half ago? Yeah, yeah i know I all the days blur now together. i know it's like i don't know something was it? we did get together i, I know. know that happened yeah i said that to a friend and i was like when's the last time i saw you like last week and we were like three weeks ago i was like oh <laughs> gosh <laughs> time just what, goes what yeah yeah, yeah. Like, yeah so week along. week and a half ago or something yeah mm-hmm. we yeah. had a delightful conversation mm-hmm. we talked about some of your yeah <clears throat> some of your experiences, experiences with depression yeah. Yeah. yeah so you want to just like dive right in? <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> make this happen vomit depression vomit, depression <laughs> you know what they, 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 yeah. they totally are linked yeah 100 percent. i'm very so true. depressed when i'm vomiting <laughs> <laughs> or i'm so depressed that i'm vomiting <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah, that happens. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I uh, I've uh, dealt with depression since I was about. I think the first time I ever said I don't want to live was eight. I was eight years old. Wow. Yeah. So my parents had just gotten divorced, and my mom was seeing somebody new, and I was super super upset. Um, and like, 
I don't know. Like, some people can remember their childhood really vividly. And, like, I just have very selective memories. And I just, like, remember... Like, I don't remember a ton of, like, family memories of, like, me and my parents and my brother doing things together. But I remember... Like, I remember the period of their divorce, like, so vividly. Like, that's one thing that always sticks out in my memory. And when I had to write, like, creative essays and stuff like that when I was younger, I would always describe the night my mom told me that my parents were getting divorced. Because I was too young. Like, I didn't really understand it. Like, I didn't understand what was going on. But Mm. it was, like, almost like a macabre movie scene. It was so bizarre. Like... The house seemed darker. It was, like, pitch black outside, but it was snowing. Mm -hmm. And my brother was sitting across from me like you are. My mom was on the side of the table. And where my dad would usually sit was empty. And I don't remember what she said, what words were said, but I remember looking across at my brother and seeing him cry. He's seven years older than me, so he would have been 15. He was a teenager. And... I don't, I don't think I ever remembered seeing my brother cry unless he'd, like, hurt himself or something before. Yeah. So his face was, like, pale white. And when a tear would go down his face, it was almost like it was, like, he was wearing makeup. And the tear would leave, like, a red streak of, like, what was, un- like, underneath. It was so bizarre. Like, I don't know how I remember that so vividly. Um, <laughs> but that was, like, that night. And then... Um, there was experiences with my dad was really upset because it was my mom who had decided that wanted to um, uh, break up um, and she started seeing somebody first and then you know as it, the realization was setting in of what was happening like the fact that we weren't a family anymore that my dad was living somewhere else my mom was going out on a date with her new boyfriend and I remember saying you know like I, I want to die I don't want to live anymore and I was crying uh, and it was just like that was the moment that I that I can remember back to like when it kind of all started and since then I go through episodes of depression um so usually it's triggered by some kind of like traumatic event Mm -hmm. um and I'd say probably between the ages of like after after that whole like once my family kind of got sorted out like my dad had his wife and her daughter and then my mom had her husband and their two kids and so there was like two separate families things were probably like good for a bit I was a little bratty I was like I don't want to share my room and like blah 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 I don't I don't want another family but then eventually things got okay but then I would say probably around the age of 13 was when it like sort of kicked up again um and I had met someone um who lived in Newfoundland. I was visiting my dad in Newfoundland for the summer and she, I thought she was so cool. Like she was this cool kid who um, listened to like punk music and straightened her hair and wore eyeliner and um, she uh, smoked and whatnot. And so I hung around with her all summer, but she also cut herself. So that was around the time that I started doing the same thing. I kind of, like, replicated her behavior. um, And then I dealt with that probably from the age of 13 up until I was, like, 17 or so. Um, So going through high school was hard because, you know, your family's broken up and you're going through, you know maturity and bullying and and relationships and relationships ending and all the drama of being a teenager so 
like I didn't really know it at the time, but that was me going through these like depressive episodes of, you know, hurting myself and being upset and like kind of as I'm getting older, learning what, you know, divorce means and understanding about like my family being broken up and like reliving those memories almost almost in the sense of like, I don't want to say PTSD, but like pretty pretty much a similar thing where it's like, oh, I remember that memory from when I was eight because they're like trying to say like, you know, write about a sad memory in your essay or something like that. And that's always the one I would go back to. Mm -hmm. So like reliving those memories and understanding like the emotions that I didn't get to experience when I was eight because I'm eight. Like I'm going to McDonald's and playing in the playground and, you know, drawing and and not even doing like hard schoolwork. So things were easier then. But now that I'm like 15, I'm understanding like what that was that happened and why I'm so upset about it and my brother lived with my dad so I wasn't like living with my brother so I think that kind of attributed to it and made me upset and then uh then through university and a bit of adulthood I didn't realize oh skipping class all day and staying in bed and you know not eating properly were signs of me being really depressed and going through depressive episodes. So it wasn't until probably like the last two or three years that I was like, that's what all of that was. That was me going through depressed episodes and and me lashing out and me like <clears throat> sometimes even crying for help without knowing that I was crying for help. So mm -hmm. yeah, that's a little brief history of my depression. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And how often do you say that you go through these? Uh, I usually, like, so usually they are um, triggered by some kind of traumatic event. So the last depressive episode I went through, slash still kind of am going through, um, was in November. My partner and I have almost three years broke up. And it was a messy breakup, lots of different circumstances going on. And it was really hard. I was really torn up about it. Um, this is a person that I thought, you know, I was going to spend the rest of my life with. So losing that. And then also this person was like my shoulder. They were like also like my rock. So, you know, when I was feeling weak and, and going through like, you know, days where I was overwhelmed by school and I hadn't gotten a job yet as a paramedic and I was like really upset or like, cause the, the paramedic process was really long as well. And there was different exams I had to take and I failed one of the exams twice and you only get three tries. So like that made me so anxious and mm. you know, I would just be overwhelmed with the stress I knew I was going to feel mm -hmm. that I would just be the same old thing, like laying in bed all day. Like I didn't want to do anything. I didn't want to go out and see anybody. I was just like, I would bury myself in this hole and he would make me, you know, come out of it and help me. So now I've like lost my best friend and my person that like I could help like carry that weight with that, that would kind of pull me out of those things. So, um, I just went through that most recently and I've kind of, I went through probably the lowest um, of my depression that I've ever been. But then it's like, OK, well, you don't have that person anymore. You need to be that person for yourself. And mm -hmm. then also I went to therapy. I saw um, a cognitive behavioral therapist. And um, one of the things was like just like learning to reach out and tell those people that I love around me, like, I need your help. Um, and doing that with family has always been really hard, especially because I think like, um, like my parents' generation, 
mental disorders, mental health issues weren't talked about. It wasn't a thing. You just kind of sucked it up and you dealt with it and you got over it. And like, you know, you just, you know, did things that made you happy. Like, oh, why aren't you happy? You should be happy. Like, don't Mm -hmm. don't think about those things. Don't worry about those things. So it was always hard to like feel like I could reach out to my family so it was like learning who I could reach out to so most recently going through my breakup I used my friend as my depression sponsor is what I called him <laughs> and I just said to him I was like will I was like this is gonna sound funny but almost like an alcoholic has a sponsor will you be my depression sponsor and I, I want to ask that of you because it's it's going to be a lot and if it's a weight that you don't think you can bear, that's okay. I understand that, and I don't want to put that on you without, you know, having a chat with about it with you first. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had seen me kind of going through all these issues, going through my depression. Like I said, when I had reached my lowest low, and I had told him about it afterwards, he's like, I wish you would have just, like, reached out to me. Like, I'm here for you, whatever you need. So I knew I could kind of count on him afterwards when I asked him that. And so he he had been a really big help and just learn like, learning. Because I, I had almost built up these negative strategies, these negative coping strategies mm. of, like, when I'm depressed and when I'm sad, I just stay away from everybody. I don't want to see people. I just want to, you know, curl up into my safe hole um, in my bedroom tucked under the sheets uh, until everything goes away or until magically something makes me happy again. So I had just learned to do that over and over and over again for the last, like, I don't know, almost 10, 12 years. So now it was like, okay, well, now you need to not do that. Now you need to teach yourself, you know, I'm sad, I'm upset, call somebody, reach out to somebody. So over the last, you know, four months that's what I've been doing with my my close friend my my depression sponsor (laughs) (laughs) such a good idea I know (laughs) it's nice too and it's just hard because like we had talked about it that like shame that you feel telling people like oh I have depression Mm -hmm. or like even telling people who are close around you you that like I don't know they're like oh you're doing so much better now so then if you tell them that you've kind of sunk back it feels like you're disappointing them Mm. or like I have a really good friend whose sister um, suffered from uh, mental illness uh, anxiety depression and she ended up committing suicide and so I feel like you you almost think like uh, I should want to reach out to her because she's dealt with this but like it makes me not want to reach out to her more because I don't want to put that extra pressure on her like you already went through this once like I don't want it to feel like you're going through it again with me, even though I know her, like, kindest person I've ever met, and sh- she would always be there for me. But it's just like, but that shame that you're worried about that we talked about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how shame can keep your mouth shut. I know exactly. Yeah, you're just like, you know, I don't want people to know that I'm depressed. I want, especially in today's like social media filled um, world, everybody is showing their best face there. Mm. So you see these picture perfect Instagrams and, and people are out doing things and you feel, um, one of my favorite quotes, I actually plan to get it as a tattoo is comparison is the thief of joy. Oh yeah. So like you're constantly comparing yourself to what other people are doing, what your peers are doing. Mm -hmm. Um, for me, like most recently, like what my ex was doing, like, Oh, he seemed like, 
in in my perspective, I was like, oh, he seems like he's moving on. Like, this doesn't bother him. Like, it, why is it bothering me so much? Like, why can't I just feel like, like, to me, I was comparing myself to what his normal was looking like. I mean, I have no clue what he's been thinking, what, what he's been going through. Um, so, but from my point of view, it was like, oh, like, he's doing fine. Why can't I be normal like that? Why can't I go through this in a normal way? But really afterwards when I took a step back it's like no everyone goes through it at their own pace that was your normal I mean it's a relationship you're grieving so yeah um yeah so it's hard when people have these uh perspectives of you Mm -hmm. pre like this like already they have a view of you from your social media you can look anybody up nowadays and you can find something about them online Mm -hmm. yeah so you're like Especially me, I have such a I have such a public Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> so like people who don't know me, who's never ever ever met me, I've I've met people now. Uh, it's very bizarre. It's only happened recently, but I've met people, and they I've been I was drinking at a bar, and the bartender was like, "Oh my gosh, are you Rose on the coast?" And I was like, "Yes." And she was like, "I follow your Instagram," and I was like, "Wow, this is a complete stranger saying to me this to me. That's so cool." But then afterwards, it's like. So you only see that side of me. You've only seen that story of me. And it takes me hours to get ready and take pictures and pick out outfits and edit photos and make it look curated and and nice so that people want to follow it. But it's not. That's probably like 10% of the whole picture. Mm. Um, So when they already have this view of you to be like, oh, by the way, I struggle with mental health. I'm not this, you know, I do not wake up looking like this all the time. (laughs) Or like, your skin looks so nice. I was like, that's probably the foundation. (laughs) So it's hard to to tell people um, that you've never met or that, that already have a certain view of you or even friends who know you at your best. Mm -hmm. And then you have to be like, actually right now I'm at my worst and you just, you can't see it. You don't know it. So yeah, the, the shame is a huge, huge factor to just keeping your mouth shut. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which we shouldn't be ashamed of it. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. We shouldn't be ashamed of it. No, but I know like even personally, I, when I'm going through like my dark days, Mm -hmm. I'm just like, yeah, I should reach out to someone. I should reach out to someone. And it's like, no, they're going to think that I'm crazy. Mm-hmm. And like, this is just a, this is just me being a pain in their behind. Yeah. Like it's, it's, I just feel absolutely ashamed. Yeah. And like, yeah, yeah. yeah. When I'm at, like, and then when I get out of it, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm looking and I'm like, oh, I, that would have been fine. They would have been totally fine if I would have reached out. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like I think back to <clears throat> moments where I was, you know, at my worst and it's like, why didn't you like why didn't you just say something it's not a big deal because like you also like experience friends who are going through hard times and you say the exact same thing to them yeah you say like oh well if you ever need anything just let me know like no matter what I'm here for you and then you're like if I can say that to somebody else then why am I assuming that you know like I, I can't say that like I can't reach out to those people if I'm telling people I'll reach out to me I'm here for you oh like next time you're feeling sad just let me know I'll come over and we'll we'll hang out and watch movies like okay well like why can't I ask that of those people as well if I'm willing to give it I'm sure they would be also yeah um yeah it's it's so bizarre how your mind plays those tricks on you and it's like no don't do it it's like this 
little terrible like whisper in your ear. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like I, I think for me one of the other thoughts that comes through my head is like I need to be strong. Yeah. A hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah. And yeah. it's like and apparently to me the idea mm-hmm. of being strong is not reaching out for help. Yeah. I, I think the exact same thing because like um, when I think about my friend who sister committed suicide or my mom um, like I think like no I have to be strong for them. Like I can't I can't show that friend that I'm going through this because, you know, I, I don't want to have her experience it all over again. So I need to be strong for her. Or when my mom, like one of the first times she found out that this ever happened, I just the look on her face and the look in her eyes just broke my heart. It was so horrible. And I'm like, I can't do that again. Hmm. So like since that, um, I think that was like my in between my first and second year of university, I had gone home and I was going through uh, another breakup, but also like this weird, like, who am I? What am I doing? Like, what? Like, like, um, I, again, comparing myself to my peers, like I was like, oh, they're all in programs that they love. Like I was going through a business degree. This was before I realized I wanted to go to paramedic school. Mm. And then like everyone seemed so happy. Everyone was all coupled off and. Um, and then I got, uh, my depression also, uh, has like such a, uh, it, it gets a lot worse when I mix it with, uh, substance abuse, like alcohol. So like at a party drinking really heavily and, you know, then all those thoughts come in and you're not thinking clearly, you're not thinking straight. Mm-hmm. So when I was <laughs> at home uh, for the summer, I had tried to commit suicide by overdosing on, um, pills and, the party was actually at my house. I was hosting it. And um, I rem- like I, I think I had called my friend who was upstairs sleeping in my room. Uh, everyone was pretty much passed out and asleep. I feel like it was like 3 or 4 a.m. in the morning. And I had called her t- and she came downstairs to find me and, and, you know, made me throw up and all this. And, and then I went up to bed. And then sometime in the morning, my mom came up to wake me up. And she was like, Chelsea, like, like mine and your father's pills bottles are like open and there's pills all over the floor and in the bathroom like did somebody go through our medicine cabinet and I just like just looked at her and then I had to look away and she was like what happened last night and I just uh like I had this huge knot in my throat like I just couldn't speak and then she was like did you did you try to take all those pills and I just broke down and it was so hard to like I, like, I had been hiding this from her for so long. So it was hard to have her look at me that way because, like, you said you want to be strong. Like, like I think if I was ever a mom, like, I would feel like I had done something wrong if my kid ever said, you know, I'm depressed and I tried to kill myself. And that wasn't what I ever wanted her to think. Like, she didn't do anything wrong. She's a great mom. Um so sorry (laughs) so such an emotional topic but yeah like I didn't I didn't want her to feel like it was her fault because it wasn't it's never been her fault it's you know something it's not something that's wrong with me but that's how it's always felt you know what I mean it's not anybody else's fault this is just how my brain works yeah um and for me when I get to the lowest point in my in my depressive episodes or or, you know, in my in my depression, I feel like, you know, it would it would be better if I 
if I did kill myself. So it's really hard um, to like say that to your parent. Like how how do you ever say that to somebody like that? So mm-hmm. so yeah, uh, I agree wholeheartedly with the comment about wanting to be strong for them, and then in turn that's when you think you have to hide it. But those are the people that we should want to reach out the most because those are the people that love us no matter what. And that, you know, even though my mom doesn't understand me being depressed, I remember one time she told me, like, I don't understand, like, what makes you want to, like, kill yourself? Like, because she was like, I just, I can't understand it because I've never felt that way. Hmm. So even though they don't understand it, like, they still care about you and, and we can almost educate them about it, too, and just say, you know, like, um, I just feel so bad sometimes that that's, that's how I feel. So, And it's hard talking to them about it because, like I said, with the generational gap and there's not – there's still, like, so much that people don't understand. There's still so many stigmas against people who have mental health disorders. Mm-hmm. So um, it's hard, but we almost have to educate them about it yeah. so that they can understand it when we're going through it. Mm-hmm. But it's it's a vicious cycle of like, well, I don't want to talk about it, but it would be better <clears throat> if I did talk about it because then you would know what I'm feeling, what I'm thinking, mm-hmm. and you would probably see the signs, but I don't want to show you the signs <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because yeah. I want to be strong for you, but that makes no sense because you want to help me. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just a crazy, insane, vicious cycle. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I think that if we, everyone just talked about it more, then it would, then it wouldn't seem as abnormal. And then yeah. you wouldn't feel like that was a way of you being strong. Yeah, it exactly. Really be a, it wouldn't really be anything mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, the be, more yeah. that people talk about it, the more that people can understand about it, the less of a stigma there will be against it, for sure. That's That's how I think. Because, I mean, you see, like... Um, com- I think I saw like a commercial nowadays and this woman like comes to work and she's really sick <clears throat> and they're like oh you should go home and get better and then it like cuts to the exact same scene and she's like ah, like I just feel like everything's too much right now and then her co-worker's like oh we'll suck it up like Mm. Like, we all have the same workload here. And she keeps saying these kind of statements, like comparing her mental health sickness to, like, a flu where she's sniffling and, like, it's it's the exact same thing. Like, you, you wouldn't say to somebody who's, you know, super sick with the flu, like, oh, well, suck it up. Like, everyone gets a cold. Like, mm. you know, yeah. make yourself better. That's so... Yeah. That's such a good... Yeah. yeah so like the and so now with those like commercials going on about it and crisis helplines like now that it is being talked about it more like my hopes is that you know anybody growing up who had to kind of go through what I did will hopefully like be able to be like oh oh I see that people are talking about it it's not such a scary thing to talk about mm-hmm. and I think like my generation as adults will be um, a stronger, Um, community when it comes to facing mental health issues because it's way more present now Mm -hmm. than it ever was Um, and it's way more talked about now than it ever was I think we still have like a long way to go but hopefully as you know new things come out and hopefully new support systems come out then people won't think of it as so scary to talk about and so scary to reach out Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that (laughs) yeah thanks yeah (laughs) Yeah, so <laughs> I know. <laughs> the 
closet got a little heavy. <laughs> you can grab one of my sleeves, by the way. <laughs> just the right way. I'm also sick, so the sniffling is not just me crying. <laughs> just for the record. For the record, for people listening. <laughs> there was two tears, Max. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Emotions and like all that stuff is just so... It's, it is, it's so scary. Yeah. And... And you're, like, terrified to show people your emotions sometimes. Um, and, like, uh, one of the things that, you know, I learned growing up in a small town is that, mm-hmm. you know, not everyone that you think is your friend is your friend. Yeah. And that's, like, one of the things that, you know, my dad once taught me when I was really upset and emotional. And he was, like, not everyone is here to help you. Sometimes they just want to hear the story. Um and so it's hard to, because sometimes you build up these like trust walls and that makes you decide like, oh, I don't, I don't want to tell people because I don't know who I can trust mm-hmm. with this. So like growing up, I wouldn't tell people like that I have depression or that I'm depressed or that I go through these episodes. One, mainly probably because I didn't really 100% realize what it was, but at the same time, like, y- yeah, you want to seem strong to other people you want to put on your happy face you want to seem like you know on Instagram or social media you want to seem like you know you're this happy person Mm -hmm. but I don't know where I was going with that thought (laughs) (laughs) something about who to trust yeah so you build up these walls of like you know I don't want to tell people in case uh, now they're going to judge me or they're going to tell other people Mm. but now I've learned that like I just I don't care (laughs) anymore (laughs) I'm like like that's why I loved your name so much and like I've always said to people that you know I'm I'm such an open book you could literally ask me any question about my past about my history about me as a person and I'll tell you um so like that like I feel like I am optimistic about my depression. I'll be like, yep, I have depression. Yep, that's a thing. So yeah, awesome. I mean, there's definitely still places where you feel like you can't always talk to everybody about it. Like your family. Like mm-hmm. I have a huge extended family in Newfoundland, and like I said, the big generational gap. Like you know, I'm not gonna come out and be like, oh hey, by the way, you know, I have such bad depression that I've tried to kill myself before. Like yeah. you don't want to say that to everybody in your family or like new co-workers or right stuff like that like you know you think that they're gonna judge you or maybe think of you differently um but I think that like your name you have to be optimistic about it and yeah keep moving forward thank you yeah you're welcome yeah. I yeah I know what you mean and mm. like I find that like I've always been afraid of the idea of wallowing yeah because it's like, well, what's the difference between, like, acknowledging your feelings or, mm-hmm. like, what you're going through mm-hmm. and then wallowing in it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think I'm still, like, tr- I think I'm still figuring that out. But yeah. But it's becoming a bit clearer. Yeah. It's, like, playing the ver- victim versus playing the advocate. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I totally yes. get it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah I felt the same way, <clears throat> like, about, there's just so many things where y- you think, you know, what is the point where it gets to be too much. So, like, um, like with my more recent breakup, I had to understand that, like, you know, when I met with friends who hadn't seen me in a while, and it's like there comes to be a point where I need to stop talking about it in a certain way because, like, you know, me being really upset and talking about how down it made me 
just brings back those feelings of being down. So, you know, saying like I have depression and this is what happens every time I have depression and it just feels like this and this and this and it's just gets to be so much sometimes then you're feeling those feelings again and you're like oh man it sucks that I have depression like Mm. but if you're just like yeah I have depression yeah it sucks sometimes and you know I've got my good days I got my bad days but you know and then you talk about it in a different light like this like going on podcasts and, and being like oh other people have depression too like so talking about it in a certain way, it, it's tricky to, like, mm-hmm. teach yourself not to, because, like, before, like we said, you know, you don't want to say that you have depression. And then when you do say you have depression, you're like, yeah, it does suck. Yeah, I do go through all this stuff. And then you relive all those feelings. But now I feel like I've said it to so many people and I've acknowledged it myself that I can be like, yep, that's me. That's one part of me. It's not the whole part, but it's it is a part. It's always gonna be a part. Um, and what I can do about it is try to move forward with it and you know create preventative strategies that help me instead of lay in bed and and not want to see anybody, reach out to a friend and say, "Hey, I'm feeling depressed and are you free today? Like could we do something or maybe you can just come over here and we can talk." And mm. yeah, it's just teaching yourself those things to help you in the future and hopefully help others. So well put. <laughs> yeah, Thanks. that's great. Yeah. Yeah. It's like treating your like it's like treating your emotions like a friend, but not your master. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Like, yeah. Yeah. I like um, one of the things that I learned from going through therapy more recently is that you have to look at your emotions and your actions and be able to say like, were they reasonable? Um, would the average person, you know, feel this way or or think these things? Because, like, you, you can say to yourself, like, oh, man, I can't believe I just spent all day Saturday in bed not doing anything. Like, okay, well, actually, you worked until 4 in the morning. And, mm-hmm. you know, you've been so busy with school. You don't have anything due coming up and you didn't have any plans today that you're breaking with anybody so would a reasonable person on their you know before they have to go to work at five from staying up until four stay in bed on your Saturday and watch tv and relax yeah they probably would Mm. instead of you know wallowing in that thought like oh I didn't get anything done today I feel like such a failure and then it's Sunday and you feel so bad about doing that on Saturday that you end up repeating the same thing mm. on Sunday. So instead, being able to look at it and be like, oh, you know what? Like, I had nothing planned. You know, I caught up on some shows that I like. Mm-hmm. I reset and relaxed. And then, you know, it that wasn't so bad. So just being able to, like, look at what a, what a normal like what I shouldn't say normal, but would an everyday Joe Blow person wouldn't could I see another person do that and think to myself, yeah, it's reasonable. It's mm. reasonable that they did that. Um, then, then you don't have to feel so bad about you know going forward. Like like the next day, you can be like, oh yeah, I did that and that was fine. And now, you know, I don't have to feel bad about it, and I can go about my day instead of wallowing in it, like you said. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just these little. Little strategies that's, that you learn or that someone else passes on to you and that can help you um, cope with, you know, um, like I said, preventative, like being able to see the signs and like stop it before it gets too far. Being able to say, 
you know, I'm having a bad day. I want to reach out to a friend or, you know what, I did have that bad day, but it didn't stop me, you know, from doing what I need to do the next day or, or, you know what, any person would have blazed around on their Saturday off. So yeah, why not? Yeah. So yeah, just being able to see those signs and be okay with them and, and move forward instead of letting it sink you back into that hole again. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Cause it's like, it is like a big hole that has like these arms. It's like, yeah, up to I picture it like this, just down. this black shadow. Like I always picture my depression, like a black shadow mm. and it's just like, it just like sucks you in. Yeah. And then sometimes it feels like it consumes a whole room mm. and takes over everything. But then, you know, as long as you pull out your flashlight <laughs> or Ooh. something and then, and then you make the shadow really, really small again and. Or then sometimes you acknowledge the shadow and you're like, you know what? I know that the shadow is here today and I'm just going to deal with it today. And I know that it's going to be gone again tomorrow when the sun comes up, like mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah, I always I always picture mine as it's just like big, dark shadow thing. <laughs> and then I'm like, sometimes the shadow is really small and it's over in the corner and I don't have to deal with it today because I'm bigger than the shadow today. Like, and uh. yeah, yeah, that's my like little like creative imagery <laughs> I like it thanks You're welcome. thank you yeah. you have so many like yeah you have so many good points mm. it's like you've done your research you you've been well I mean it's all it, it's shitty but it's all experience like yeah just like living through it and learning from it and moving forward and you know I'm, I'm lucky enough that you know um the times that I have tried to commit suicide didn't work (laughs) that I can be like okay you know I don't want to get to that point again Mm -hmm. how do I not get to that point again how do I you know move forward and see the signs and and so like um recognizing that and like you know going to my therapist and saying like oh yeah so I tried to commit suicide over the weekend and him being like okay let's break that down what exactly did you do all those events leading up to it? And then, you know, we'll put another piece of paper next to it. And, it's, you know, we'll take each section and be like, what could you have done instead? Mm. And then you can, you know, and I found for me that was super helpful to just break it down bit by bit. So it's not, you know, just some series of events that happened and all of a sudden you ended up at, you know, point Z. Well, no, first you had to do A, B, C, D to get there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, instead of doing A and B, you could have done, you know, G and F or something like that. Um, I don't know if that that makes any sense. <laughs> <laughs> it ain't, I, I followed. Yeah. I followed. <laughs> instead of taking train A, you could have went to train B. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it was just like being able to know that now. Um. So I think that, you know, people who are out there and and are having issues, um, it's always good to maybe go see someone. And it does suck. Our mental health system does suck um, sometimes, like, Mm because it can be expensive if you don't have insurance to go see therapists. And or there can be a really long wait line. Um, Mm. And uh, luckily, I mean, we do have you know, the internet nowadays, but that's like a yes and a no. You don't know what kind of information you're getting off of there sometimes. Yeah. But yeah, it's being able to find what works for you. And sometimes that's through trial and error and that does suck. But um, luckily, 
you know, I thought for the longest time that, you know, when I went to therapists, like they never worked. I was there for a few weeks and then I would give it up and, you know, I would think it worked. But then when I look back on it now, I'd be like, you know what, that strategy actually didn't help me. And then, you know, this one I found that I was most recently to, I was like, wow, like everything he's saying makes so much sense. Like, why didn't I think about it this way before? So hmm. through trial and error, eventually you will find something that works for you. And, and then, you know, hopefully those strategies stick through with you. I mean, it's only been, you know, a few months for me, but so far I've seen myself, you know, think those things and be like, ah, we're going to veer off and not go down that path. Like, mm-hmm. we're going to stop the vicious cycle before it starts. Or we're going to recognize that, yeah... I did nothing yesterday but lay in bed, but whatever, you know, so what? It, like, I don't have to be more depressed because I was depressed. Hmm. Like, that makes no sense. <laughs> I mean, right. it does, but it doesn't, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you and I know that sometimes in our minds it makes sense, like, oh, I was depressed yesterday, so I have to be depressed today. Yes. But, like, yeah. being able to be like, well, no, actually, you know, you, what did you do today? You did this and this and this and you know, so what you accomplished nothing yesterday, but today you got so much done already. So no, don't be depressed today. Yeah. yeah. So it's okay. Yeah. And like, do you ever find that when you like some, at least in the past, when you tell somebody that you were depressed, you mm. almost feel like you need to be like, no, I, like, look, look, this is what I am depressed. <laughs> like, I'm sad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you, it's so you funny. You happy or something. I know. Yeah. Cause like. Because like, you got, like, the depressed stamp on I your know, face. I know, yeah, exactly. And people have that image about it, like, oh, well, if you're depressed, you're going to look miserable, and you're, yeah. you know, it's a stereotype that people have about, like, like anxiety. People think that people with anxiety are just going to always be anxious all mm. the time. It's like, well, no, like, they have other, you know, faces, I almost say, like, mm. um, at other, other stages that they go through where they're not anxious and they seem, you know, like everything is okay. So, um, and then sometimes we also seem like everything is okay, but underneath that anxious person is just like screaming in their head. Or for mm-hmm. me, like that depressive shadow is just like dragging me down yeah. and you don't see it. Like I have this, I have this wonderful. I call it my superpower. When I'm hungover, <laughs> um, I can uh, really, really appear not hungover. It's magical. I put on a like a really good face of makeup. Mm. I have a coffee and you know, my orange juice, um, and to everyone else, they're like, "Oh wow, like, man, I'm so hungover from last night. You look great." And I'll be like, "I want to throw up." <laughs> So badly right now. And they'll be like, you look amazing. How are you hungover? Like, I would never be able to tell you're hungover. I'm like, that is depression. Like, that is literally. <laughs> that is so good. Yeah. That is literally a way for you to view depression. Like, oh, I would never guess that you're depressed. Like, you seem so happy. Mm. Um, that's like, it's a weird thing that we do where we just, on the outside, like, there, there is no one, you know, view of depression. There's no... You know, one one face of depression, I should say. Like, yeah, there's no like, like, oh, you know, a depressed person is gonna present like A, B, and C. Well, like, no, like, we can be every color of the rainbow. Mm. It's like it's like now I go, I'm in a women and gender studies, and they talk about gender, yeah, as like a big ball of yarn. It's not like 
male, female. It's like this giant raveled ball of yarn. That's the same way with depression. It's not happy, depressed. It's like, no, there's this big ball of yarn and you could be any piece of yarn in that huge tangled ball. Like it's oh. it's not going to present one way ever. It's, yeah, right. For everyone else, it's going to be different. Yes. Yeah. You would you would never be able to say, you, Ruth, are the exact same way. You are the exact same person as Chelsea. So you are going to present the exact. No, we're not the exact same. We've got different backgrounds. We have different thought processes. We have different hair, different skin. You know, different height, different emotions, different thoughts. So. Why would you think that depression is going to show the same way on somebody as somebody else? It's always going to be different for each person. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, amen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just like home run. One home run after the other. <laughs> I know. And it's so nice to finally talk about it because, you know, like, like I said, I've been dealing with this for like the past 10, 12 years without talking about it so it's like all these like you think of like if you think about somebody's like internal conversations that they have with themselves like have you ever just like got up in the morning and you talk to yourself yeah and and like if you think about all those little thoughts that somebody has in their own head and you were to take them out into a book it's like oh you'd probably find some like really cool thoughts that they've never like things would Things that they said, some of it will be mumbo jumbo, but some of it will make sense to another person. Mm. It's like, we don't talk about depression, but in your head, <laughs> you're like <laughs> creating all these like, oh, yeah, this makes sense. And this makes sense. And this is my thought on this. Like, you know, so it's it's so funny to say all of this out loud um, after, you know, you feel like you've just been so silent about it. Mm. Mm. I'm so glad that you're doing this with me. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) 100%. Yeah, and it's nice too because I don't think I've ever been like, yeah, I'm just going to go openly talk about my depression (laughs) for like an hour or so with somebody. (laughs) And that's what we do here and we laugh about it. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm so depressed. (laughs) I'm so optimistically depressed. Yes. Yeah, yeah. My oldest, my daughter, she mm-hmm. thinks that depression is like that. She thinks it's called optimistically depressed. Like I'm optimistically <laughs> depressed. <laughs> so, That's hilarious. Yeah, so, so she calls so me. I'm cute. just like, you know what? you're awesome. Yeah, cool. I know. And it's so nice, too, because like I have like a little niece. She's two, she's turning two this year. And I just think about like I I want you to be so educated about everything, mm-hmm. you know, that this world has to offer. Like I want you to face things and move forward knowing I I don't want you to grow up you know like my parents did afraid to talk about things you know what I mean like if you you know feel like you like uh, don't identify as 100% woman you feel like you're somewhere else on this big huge spectrum if you feel like you know your sexual orientation is I like girls or I like guys or I like everyone or I like no one or if you feel like like things get so overwhelming sometimes like I like I just don't know how to deal with it I want her to know in the future that it is going to be okay to talk about it to tell someone about it you know to you know it's going to be okay to look at someone from another background and you know understand them even though you don't 100% understand them but like respect them and respect their culture that's like Mm -hmm. what I hope for like future kids and like like I don't ever want children um and like so for me, like, she's the person that I'm like, I hope 
this for you in the future. And I yeah. hope it for all other children as well, mm-hmm. that we can create a future that it's like, it's okay to talk about whatever you are feeling, however you are as a person, you're not going to be judged. And like growing up for us, growing up for our parents, growing up for pretty much anyone who's ever been born that's not that's not the fact you you think you're going to be judged about any viewpoint that you have so I'm hoping that I can educate her enough and I can be that person for her that it's okay to talk about it so (laughs) so we have to be optimistic about it (laughs) yeah thank you so much for pulling that yeah (laughs) I I love just dragging it and like connecting it (laughs) it's so great it's so fun like I'm in love with the name the name is amazing thank you yeah always I just love it so much and when I say it to somebody like I I was talking about it at brunch today and they're like oh that's a great name I'm like I know right thank you you're welcome thank you yeah um, so then would you say that that's what it looks like to be mentally healthy? I do like to ask people what they mm-hmm. think it looks like to be mentally healthy. Um, I think that, like I said, like two people are never going to present the same. Everyone's version of mentally healthy is going to be different. Mm. And I always feel like it's on a spectrum. So like I could have woke up this morning and, you know, on this huge giant spectrum, we'll pretend it's zero to 100 percent, but it's way more than that. But, like, I could have woke up this morning and been 20% of mentally healthy, as we would say. Mm. And then today, you know, an hour later, I could be at 90% mentally healthy. You know, I kind of woke up this morning and felt awful and felt super depressed. But then I got outside and I had brunch with my friends. And I came here and did the podcast. And, you know, I feel so good about myself. So I think that to say... Uh, it's so hard to say what I think mentally healthy looks like. I think mm. it's different for everybody. Mm. And I think... We can literally switch it on a dime. We can feel so mentally healthy and so optimistic, you know, at one point, but then we can feel so negative 10 seconds later. It totally depends, you know, on what you're doing and and how you are. And I think that um, just, you know, you can just strive to be as mentally healthy as you need to be in that moment. Um, And, you know, each person's mentally healthy is going to be, different and through trial and error you're going to find out what you think feels like mentally healthy to you in that Mm -hmm. moment in that day you know mentally healthy for me yesterday was laying in bed all day and watching Netflix mentally healthy for me today was you know getting out and seeing people and mentally healthy for me tomorrow will be you know going to work and and you know being in a good mood so yeah it changes for each person by each day it's so so hard to pinpoint you know what exactly it's going to look like but you know you just have to know what it is for yourself and strive for it and sometimes if you miss the mark you just got to be like it's okay for today you know I'll get it tomorrow awesome (laughs) that's great yeah thanks you no you're welcome okay all right (laughs) so uh Thank you, everyone, so much for listening. Thank you so much, Chelsea, You're for coming welcome. and talking. No, thanks for having me. It was really, it was really nice hearing your point of view. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody out there, good afternoon, good evening, good night, good morning. <laughs> <laughs> I say it differently every time. I can't. I'm going to have to come up with a new way to end this. But that's what I got for now. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Good night, good morning, good day. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. Maybe I'll steal that.